Hello, friends. How's everything? Huh? This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Onnit. Onnit is a total human optimization company. We strive. What our goal is, is to provide you with things that enhance human performance, whether it's mental performance through the use of Alpha Brain, which is our cognitive enhancing nootropic that's backed by not one, but two double blind placebo controlled studies from the Boston Center for Memory, or whether it's through physical fitness, through strength and conditioning equipment like our kettlebells and battle ropes, uh, whether it's through snacks, healthy things like our warrior bars made out of organic buffalo meat, whether it's our hemp protein, whether it's through our Academy link. If you click on the upper right-hand corner of the website, you're taken to a section called the Onnit Academy that has hundreds of dis- – can't talk – Hundreds of different articles on exercise physiology and strength and conditioning, different kinds of workouts and diets and recipes um, and uh, Q&As with influential and interesting people. And we also have a real on an academy in Austin, Texas, a state-of-the-art facility with 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu and Bang Muay Thai. Go to onnit.com. O-N-N-I-T, use the code word ROGAN and save 10% off any and all supplements. Thank you also to eHarmony. Are you looking for love, folks? Looking for love? Huh? Come on, baby. Well, if you tried online dating, chances are you've run into lazy text messages, dead-end conversations, and random matches that don't turn into dates. It's hard out there. Right. Well, eHarmony is unlike many other online dating sites, and eHarmony takes steps that other dating sites don't in order to find you a more compatible match. They are built to help you find lasting, meaningful relationships, not a shallow hookup site. Damn. Some of you are like, damn, that was, I was looking for a shallow hookup site. Well, that's not eHarmony, you fucks, you horny weirdos. With eHarmony, they have helped over a million people find their perfect match. eHarmony uses years and years of science, data, and psychological research to send you the right matches. eHarmony brings compatible people together. There's plenty of hookup sites out there right now, okay? You want to do that? It's up to you. That's fine. But that's not what eHarmony is all about. And right now, listeners of this podcast can get a free month with eHarmony when they sign up for a three-month subscription. Enter the code word ROGAN at checkout. Stop waiting and start your journey to a satisfying and meaningful relationship. Jamie, I'm looking at you. It can <laughs> it can be fun to play around with online dating apps, but when you're ready to fall in love... Jamie, are you ready? Maybe. He says maybe. <laughs> when you're ready to fall in love with someone and have a meaningful relationship, there's one app... That's built to bring you real love. eHarmony. Come see how eHarmony can change your life. Go to eHarmony.com and get started and enter my code word Rogan at checkout. Ta-da! And last but not least, we're brought to you by Honey. Honey is the world's most popular money-saving browser add-on. Aha! It's an amazing free browser extension that millions and millions of people use every day to stay to save to save money save it save it you fuck 
It works on Chrome, Firefox, Safari, all the major browsers, and it's always free. It takes only two clicks to add Honey to your browser. Then it starts working in the background right away. And while you shop, Honey scans and tests millions of coupon codes all over the Internet to find you the biggest discounts on everything you buy online. No more Googling random coupon codes that don't end up working. And here's the best part of it all. Whenever you're ready to check out, Honey automatically applies the best coupon to your cart. That means you're always going to get the biggest discounts to get the best price possible without even having to do anything. Almost 10 million people use Honey every day to save millions and millions of dollars. So why not you? If it sounds too good to be true, Time Magazine agrees. That's why they've called Honey Honey Honey, honey, <laughs> that's why they've called honey, basically free money. That's crazy. That's their quote. Young Jamie, you've used honey? Yes, indeed. I saw my browser right now. Not the one here, but my home computer. You use it all the time? Daily. It's connected, I think, to Amazon or like almost any website I go to. And you find great results with this? Yeah, it, gets, it also price tracks. So like if you're worried about a price changing recently, going up or down, it lets you know when the most recent changes happened. Well, that's fucking sweet. There's no reason to not add Honey to your browser, because it's free. It will save you cash on everything you were going to buy anyway. And if you're not using Honey when you shop, you're missing out on free money, you fucks. Add Honey to your browser for free right now at joinhoney.com slash Rogan. That's joinhoney.com slash Rogan. All right, folks, my guest today is the undisputed UFC welterweight champion of the world, Tyron Woodley. Give it up for Tyron. Joe Rogan Podcast, check it out. The Joe Rogan Experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan Podcast by night, all day. We're live. We're live with the champ. We're live. We're we live out this What's up, man? How are I'm you? I'm chilling, man. How you doing, brother? You look better than anybody I've ever seen just a couple weeks out of shoulder surgery. I'm a savage, like, man. You're walking around like there's nothing going on. They took my savage stem cells out of my own damn back, and they threw them in my shoulder. Out of your back? The hip bone, whatever the fuck. Where, oh. Bone marrow, they got in there, centrifuge, spun them, mm. shot them into my shoulder, and shit. I should have a sling on, but I'm out Tuesday anyway, so I kind of prematurely decided to come out of the sling. Oh, so you're supposed to be out of the sling in six days? Yeah. Some, no, mm. no. Is that six days? Five Whatever days? Whatever Tuesday is. Five days. Yeah, Thursday. Days. Yeah. Four or five days, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, so my guy's really it. aggressive. I went to Dr. Andrews. He's out there in um, Pensacola. And he said, no, we need you back punching in two months. So the day two after months. surgery, yeah. Hard? The day after surgery, he said making contact. So two months, I mean, two, right after surgery, I was doing two days, fucking full-ass rehab. Really? Yeah, like crazy. So I'm like, these dudes is nuts. This shoulder, I had this done in 08. I didn't move for like three weeks. What did you have done with that one? Same thing, labor. Now, are you, you hurting this in training? Are you hurting it in fights? Um, a lot of well, people don't know about me. They think I just throw my right hand a lot. But I wasn't never really confident with my left hand because I had that left labrum tear. So uh. it felt weird to throw hooks, and it felt weird to use my jab a lot. My shoulder would fatigue a lot. So I didn't tell a lot of people that, so I just started bombing, bombing like hell with my right hand. It wasn't because I was just so right-hand heavy. So now that I had the surgery on this one, I'm going to stem cell both shoulders, rehab the crap out of it, and also bought this um, the rehab machine called the ArtWave. You ever heard of it? Like a Russian stem is like nuts. No, what is it? It's like a, a Russian stem machine that has the ability to make your muscles contract 500 times a second at its highest setting. 
So a lot of people use it. The coach use it. A lot of pro athletes use it. The people that made it in Minnesota, they don't give a lot of information because they don't want their intellectual property stolen. But they charge you like twelve to fourteen grand for the machine. Then they charge you five grand to show you how to use it. Then if you really, really want to know how to use it, they charge you as another five hundred, I mean, uh, five grand. So I was lucky enough. I hope they ain't watching this shit. I was lucky <laughs> enough to get one from my homie Mark Clayton. They used to play with the Rams. I just bought his from him. And so what? It, what is it called again? It's called an Arp Wave. Art Wave? ARP. ARP. ARP Wave. I think that stands for Advanced so Recovery Program. Yeah. Wow. Advanced Recovery Program. <laughs> so basically, if you think about scar tissue, soft tissue, it has ability. It's not like that stem that feels like the needle poking, mm-hmm. but it's like intense stem that goes through. It can break that fucking scar tissue up, um, go through soft tissue, and basically increase blood flow, range of motion. So spraying ankles, you know, in one session, that should be healed. Really? Yeah. I've wow. used it hundreds and hundreds of times. I just didn't have the money to buy it until recently. Wow. Yeah, I've been using it since college. And so now you put this on your shoulder and wh- what? Well, you put it on your shoulder and they have like this posture. So you hold this posture to this position, right? Um, and then they also do a balance test first because if your back is fucked up, your knee, and your balance is off, then neurologically it's not going to actually send um, the, the current to the right spot. So they maybe it's your lower back and your shoes are fucked up. So now your shoes are messed up. So make your lower back hurt. You know how to balance that, right? right. When they, so they do that first, adjust you, make sure you all balance out. Then they find what they call a hot spot. So they put it at a neutral site, the black pad, which is like your lower back or something. Then wherever you feel in the pain, if I'm feeling it right here, the pain might not be coming from there. So they might they search around and whoo, this shit jump out. So now this becomes a hot spot. So now they take the other pad off and find the spot that when they those two connect, you feel like you're about to die. Then they wrap you up, and then they do seven minutes on reverse, seven minutes on positive, and then it's it's painful as shit. But, like, I've done training camps, had some severe injuries, and nobody would ever, ever know. Really? Yeah, it's crazy. So, like, so you're saying that, like, if you have something that's bothering you, a lot of times there's something that's wrong somewhere else that's sure. causing that to be bothering you. Yeah. And this somehow or another finds that? No. You, you balance, you do a balance <laughs> test first. So, say, like, a chiropractor comes in and he say, oh, your hips off, your legs longer. He adjusts you. You have to be adjusted and balanced first. Then they put the pads on there and they locate what they call a hot spot. Mm-hmm. So, say my shoulder, right? For some reason, I broke my wrist a long time ago. So I can't do like that. So you can't was, push down on uh, things? Yeah, so you see how I can't get my hand to bend? Oh. So if you get down to push-up time, I'm going like this because my wrist just With doesn't knuckles. bend. Yeah. Right. So when I'm throwing a punch, especially if I'm throwing just a crazy-ass punch, you can imagine that if I don't distribute the force properly, that shit's, my form's going to be sore, probably what's caused my shoulder pain, also being in an extended position in wrestling, um, extended stretched out over time and time, it causes shock. Now, mm. just that one punch I hit Damian Maya with, maybe that wasn't a punch. That might have been the last damn straw that broke the camel back. But I think wearing tear from all those different years just beat my shoulder up. So you, you – oh, so what's this guy doing here? Before and after. Best kind of version I think I yeah. can find of a good video. Yeah, range of motion-wise is, is, is actually deceiving because sometimes you'll fucking get zapped on this deal. Mm-hmm. And you couldn't bring your arm up at all. And then all of a sudden now you're like, oh, shit, I'm healed. But you're not really healed. You got to continue to do the protocol, continue to do the treatment, and work on that range of motion. If you do it one time, you feel great, go out there and start shooting threes, your, your shit going to be fucked up. Hmm. Yeah, so. So in the Damian Maya fight, you hurt your your shoulder like with one of the first punches you threw, oh, right? Oh, my gosh. I, was, I knew it happened because 
I knew I knew it's what they call suplex or dislocated or whatever. So I threw I saw an opening. I had already lumped his eye up. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna try to fuck that that side of his face up. So I saw his um, left eyeball already almost closed. So I said, I'm finna try to go ham on him. Bow. I threw the punch and I felt my shoulder go down. And I'm like, oh shit. So then I was like, I can't lose a fight. I can't let the dude take my belt. So at this point, I said, I'm gonna throw straight punches. And reaction. And I see my power punch. I'm gonna throw it. So a couple of times, I forgot, and I threw it, and it kind of went out again. And he took some shots, and I lift him up, and it kind of went out again. So three or four times in a fight, I can feel it just go, like a, like a whole like five or six light bulbs just crushing in your shoulder. Ooh. You kind of feel it going. But I had that pain before, and, I'm, and I'm, I mean, it sounds stupid. I'm blessed that I tore this one because I know what it felt like. Right. And I know that the only pain that I'm going to feel is when I extend, when I try to go that direction, or any overhand right, that shit was going to be a wrap. So when I stayed here, I just threw straight punches. And there was a couple of times I blitzed it forward, and I wanted to punch, and I didn't punch because I didn't feel confident with the with my hand. Hmm. So you you kind of you knew something was wrong, yeah. but you just didn't know exactly what it was. I knew I knew I knew it's suplex, so I knew it dislocated for sure. Whether the ligament was torn or not, I was praying that it wasn't because you can actually do that, mm-hmm. slip it out without it tearing, but. Most times when you do that, it's a result of these muscles fatiguing, you punching too hard, making contact with your target, and then your whole muscles just go, just kind of feel like, the best way I can explain it, everything just kind of fell down. So you tried to rehab it for a while, right? Yeah. You tried to, what did you try to do? I Man, I did, I did the ARP treatment, um, I did regular physical therapy, um, I mean, you got an MRI? MRI. I got two MRIs. I had one doctor tell me that, you know, I didn't have to do it. I could. One doctor can care less. Um, and then finally I went to Dr. Andrews, and he was like, you know what? How long do you plan on fighting for? And, uh, and I hate when people ask me this. Because I'm, right. I'm like, until I get tired of fighting. And he was like, well, if you think you're going to be done fighting, then don't get it done. But if you want to have a career and you want to be able to confidently punch. He said, I watched your video. He said, you make your money with your right hand. He said, if you want to go out there and punch and be confident, let me go in there. Let me clean it out. Let me anchor it down. Uh, we'll shoot some stem cells, some PRP in there on the way out of the surgery. Uh, we'll be aggressive. We'll make sure you get that range of motion, and um, you'll be back in there punching. So I decided that my ass fought four times, four world title fights in a year. If anybody deserved to touch up something they heard in the fight, it's me. So uh, I decided to go with it. I, mean, I was so close, man. Even all the way up until the day of surgery, I was like, man, I don't want to fucking do this. I don't want to do this. Now, I just don't want to be day down. Of surgery. Now, were you still training? Were you still throwing I was still punches? Training. Yeah, I was training. <clears throat> and um, what did it feel like when you were throwing punches? Um, I mean, that's the reason why I got it. I mean, uppercuts, straight punches. As long as I, if, if I throw a straight punch and I didn't turn my body over and I was just arm punching, mm-hmm. shit would hurt. If I throw uppercut, didn't hurt. Uh, I was shadow boxing, hitting pads, hitting the bag. If I throw an overhand right, it was not feeling. It was not gonna happen. So shoulders are such a weird yeah, joint, you know. There's yeah. so much motion. <clears throat> Even now, like you're doing the rehab now, like part of my protocols with dumbbells, I can I can slight shadow box. But if I come out here, I mean, you can just see even see the way my body's starting to get alarmed. Mm-hmm. I don't feel comfortable yet. But you're only how many days out of surgery? Two weeks. Two weeks is nothing. Yeah, nothing, yeah. Yeah, it's I'll amazing that you can move it I'll that be back, much. I'll be back training um, in a couple of months. Wow. Yeah. Well, with this ARP machine and then with stem cells and PRP, yeah. it's like the world's a different place now for injury Man, I had rehab. this shit in 2008. So I tell you, and I rehabbed myself. I took some a rehab book. I had all these protocols from these sports medicine people that gave me, and I put my own shit together, and I made my own workout. I did it religiously twice a day, but it's not the same as somebody stretching you every single degrees, every direction, every plane. 
watching your growth and actually being a specialist. I was just doing shit because I didn't want my shoulder messed up, and I just started fighting. Like, when I first started, I was a wrestling coach for Tiago Alves, Eve Edwards, Dean Thomas. I wasn't really a fighter fighter. I had a couple amateur fights, but I didn't know if I wanted to do this shit or not. Then I had to have a shoulder surgery. I'm like, damn, man, I don't know how the hell I'm going to pay for this. So a guy named Wade Rome, he was an American Top Team guy. I didn't know what the fuck American Top Team was. He brought this satellite school to University of Missouri where I was coaching at. He came in the gym, and he wanted to um, pay for our weight room on uh, a wrestling team. And I'm like, well, shit, let me go in there and train at his gym. And I went and trained at his gym, and I worked for him full-time so I can get insurance, so I can get the shoulder surgery. And um, shit, after that, I said, let me get this fighting thing a try. <laughs> I know. I wasn't even, I was, I, did, I was just doing it just to see what it was like. But shit. that's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy when you think about how successful you've been at it. And I had a lot of chances to quit too. Broke in debt, <laughs> fifty grand in debt. I'm like, I told my coach, I said I can't do this shit anymore. No I said I'm a full time coach. Um, I'm going negative day fifteen out of thirty days. Man, I can't even afford. To, that's when gas. Remember, if gas first hit, I was getting ninety nine cent gas, and all of a sudden went to three bucks at the brokest point of my life. I was like, hell with that. So. I did that, and he said, you know what? You got a future in this, man. He said, take out a student loan. I was in graduate school. He said, take out a student loan. So I took out a student loan in graduate school to fund my MMA training. Wow. And I didn't even finish graduate school. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy that it all worked (laughs) out the way it did now. Man, I'm a world champ. Shit. Hey, (laughs) it worked out. Shit, I would I, I would complain about if Dana tried to pay me fifty grand less known being fifty grand in debt. You know, it's like tables have turned quite a bit. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? When mm-hmm. you look back, if you look back ten years ago, ten years ago, God, I can't believe I've been fighting for what is it, twelve, thirteen years now. Two thousand five was my first fight. Wow. Yep. Nuts. <laughs> now you're world champ. So. With this uh, rehabilitation, they said they're, they'd like you to throw punches inside of two months. Yeah. And then when would you be able to, like, fully resume training? Um, they think three months. They think three months. I mean, granted, with this surgery, you can hear someone say four months. You can hear six months. Some people take a full year. It depends on who the surgeon is, how aggressively they push you forward, and it depends on why you need to get back. I got a belt to defend. Right. I got money to make, and I got people asked to be, so I got to get back. So with that said, I'm going. I called the UFC. I'm like, this is bullshit. I'm your world champion. I need, what am I going to do with three days a week? I'm not a senior citizen. I need physical therapy approved for five days a week. I need this game-ready ice machine. I need to do PRP in six weeks. They should want me to get back. And, right. you know, um, they, they they listen to me and say, you know what? He's right. You know, give him whatever he wants. Give him so he can get back and get in and fighting. Because I was fighting extremely often for them. Now, are you you're living in St. Louis? Yeah, I live. I got a house in St. Louis. I'm out here every week, though. I'm doing Fox, TMZ. I didn't know you uh, were doing that coaching. many different TV things. Yeah. So what are you doing on Fox? I do, I'm do. i doing UFC tonight. Right. Um, D- DC's out in training camp. So anytime DC, Bisbee, or whatever, I'm usually the guy that fills in when you'll see tonight. And you have to come um, out here and do that every week? Wow. If they don't watch them, say, hey, Bisbee. You and you and DC don't watch yourself. I'm gonna snag your damn job. I'm gonna be a permanent out here because I had a good show yesterday. I want to watch out. Do you like doing it? I love doing it. I love getting out of the box. That's why you know. I know we probably gonna get into it later. That's why I did stand up comedy the other day. I did stand up comedy. I heard about the Adam yeah. Hunter had you up at the Dime yeah, Bar. Yeah, I went to the Dime Bar because I feel like acting is what I'm gonna do after I get done fighting. 
And if you can be okay with being embarrassed, not being uncomfortable, and really not giving a fuck, then you can become a great actor if you have the gift and you're willing to put in the work. So I've always put in the work. I'm not worried about that. But if I got to cry, I got to be a college douchebag, I got to be (laughs) something that I'm not used to being, I can be a tough guy all day. I can be a secret agent, you know. I mean, you've done film. It's you know, we can watch a film and mimic it. You know, for, I used to mimic Friday. You cannot tell me I wasn't Smokey. I would sound just like Chris Tucker, like I was really in a fucking movie. But he didn't have anybody to look at. He had a fucking script, and he had to bring that to life. And, you know, we really critical on actors, and I just don't want to be the weakest link ever on the film. So so that's what off. you want to do when you're done with all this? For sure, for sure. Did, has that always been an aspiration, or is um, it something you saw as, like, a way to do it after it's over? I mean, I got a lot of stuff. You know, I don't really even like fighting, to really? be honest. Yeah, I'm just good at it. What don't you like about it? I don't like the politics behind it. I don't like the um, martial art aspect that's been taken away from it. I don't like the um, disrespect to the sport. Um, guys that are you're not, not really training hard, um, they don't look the part. I think a professional athletes should look a certain way. Um, I really just don't like the youth, um, this, this generation of fighters that watch and move on TV, on YouTube, and they go and they try to do it. They don't want to drill repetitiously. They don't want to actually put in the work. Um, well, but why does that affect you, though? It affects because- me because our sport is also the fans, and the fans actually culture who gets to fight. And if a guy's going to talk enough shit and start wearing fly suits, then this day and age, that's good enough for a title shot. And I think it's disrespectful to everybody that came before. That remember that you had to go ten and zero, then you get the fucking call from the UFC. Mm-hmm. If Conor won Artem Lobov in the UFC at a five hundred record, he's going to be in the UFC. And I just <clears throat> it's it's ways that the sport is taking the love out of it. But I just find a way in dominating my opponents, taking all their tools away from them. You know, Dean Thomas, shout out to them, and Duke Rufus are fucking masterminds. So I take pride in that, take pride in going in there, not getting hit, um, dominating, knocking people out, whatever. Right, but whatever when you say you don't like fighting, you like all those things. You don't yeah. like the, what other people are doing. I love training. I don't like what, I don't like the, what the sport has become. So th- this is an interesting thing to talk about because a lot of people have different points of view on that. On one hand, a lot of people like the traditional martial arts approach of respect for your opponent and just fighting – to the best of your abilities and letting the chips fall where they may. Whereas other people say, well, listen, to get people to show up, to get asses in seats, to get pay-per-view buys, there's got to be some drama and some entertainment value to it. And that's where someone like Connor comes into play. Connor's the only one that's done it, though. Yeah, well, Ronda a little bit. Ronda did it a little bit. Connor's done it the best, mm-hmm. but he actually puts in the work. Right, he Chael actually, Sonnen before Chael him. Chael Sonnen did, but he didn't. He, he, his mouth... His mouth was louder. He's actually yes. probably the best at it. He's he's probably he's better than Connor at it. Connor's very close, but Connor actually delivers on more than more of what he said he's going to do than Chell did. I would agree. So yeah. if you got to think of anybody who's brought both worlds together best, I would have to say Connor. He knocks a lot of guys out. Try to call the round. Um, he's only lost a few fights total. And even those fights, it was risk match reward. Fighting a guy, switched opponent, this, no, this, different weight class. Um, you know, he, he's taking those risk and rewards that if you lose, it's not really that big of a deal. You know, nobody's going to really, oh, my God, drop him down to the bottom of the pack. But these other guys that haven't done it, don't have the skills, ain't put in the work. I mean, it can kind of really just. Well, you see the trend, right? There is a trend right now. Be good at it at least, though. Incredibly disrespectful, yeah. very rude, yeah. and you know you saw what happened with Kobe Covington yeah. and you know at least Fabrizio Verdum hits be him good with a boomerang. At it, you know what I mean? And yeah. he's, now he's pressing charges. I mean, 
I do is a queef. Well, there's <laughs> coward queefing thin. <laughs> there's a lot of attention being placed on him, though. I mean, you. Let it's, me see. It's, it's slightly Let me see. effective. Let me see how much attention is being placed. But, on but him. it is effective in the moment, right? I mean, don't want to go look at in, stuff. It's effective in the moment. I'm gonna tell you why because um, well, sometimes because I sports, like drama. Sometimes my sports is like you know nothing going on. It's like fuck with this kid's talking shit. Let me listen to him. Right. And right yes. there at that point, Conor wasn't around. Ronda wasn't around. John right. wasn't around. Who has UFC really projected as a star? Right. Sage Northcutt had a few bumps. Paige Van Zandt had a few bumps. They're trying to push up Ngano. But what star did they have? So right. now if you got this person that's willing to go crazy, even though we know it's WWE and the person's really not getting slammed, we want to live in that moment anyway. We want to go for the villain. Mm-hmm. But who has he really beat beyond Damian Maya? What was, what was the other top 15 victory? Well, the Damian Maya was a big one, but that it was, was the big one. one but that he was, was the one. But he was unmotivated, and he was a guy that already had his title shots, and, you know, he's getting up there in age. What is really his motivation? I wrote the book on how to beat Damian Maya, and he didn't even read the book. He just skimmed through it because no part of the book said, let the jujitsu guy fuck you up and blood in your face. Kobe Cumberson did that by himself. I didn't do that. You know, even with my right arm being messed up, so... Um, yeah, he's just. I'm just looking like how many Don't even followers do he have? Yeah, it, it I mean, like it, how many? He it, didn't have a big following before that. That was his biggest fight. That was the big, the big coming out. I don't want to discredit him. Damian Maya's a G. You know, I don't want to discredit Kobe, but you know, for you, for for me, have some people on your resume. Have some. You know, I didn't be Derek. I mean, um, Tarek Safadine. Paul Daly, Jordan Mean. This is before I even got in the UFC. My first fight was um, Jay Heron, who had only been stopped by George St. Pierre. Lost one fight to Ben Ashton that was close and had won every fight after that. So I never had an easy fight. All my guys was either former champions or former contenders or former, you know, people that were interim champions. And when you got a list like that and you still don't get the respect, Koscheck, Condit, you well, know, you, Robbie Lawler. you don't get the respect? From who? You know, <coughs> from it, him? From I, Kobe? I don't, oh my God, I can care less. Why. But, <laughs> what do you, but what do you I'm say? You don't that, get the respect. You definitely get respect. Watch this. When you think of Robbie Lawler, okay, Carlos Condit, right? Right. They're in a different category. Now, is it weird to you that a I'm different? the champion? And I beat both of those guys. Wait a minute. What do you mean by a different category? I th- I see them in a category. Then this might just be me. Okay. I see them as in the category is if you're talking about guys that are going to enter in the Hall of Fame, right? And you think about all. Oh, Josh Koscheck and um, um, Carlos Condon and Robbie Lawler and, you know, this guy and Anderson Silva and all, all those different guys. But it's funny that I've defeated these guys. Wait a minute. You're crazy. You're talking crazy. I don't think so. Yeah. No, you're definitely talking crazy. You're the champ. You're the I current champ. You, you're <laughs> acting like people don't respect you as the champ. They respect, they respect the people I've defeated more. And you think people people think more. Like that Carlos Condit gets more respect or Robbie Lawler gets more? That's crazy. Carlos Conant gets more respect than me. Robbie Lawler gets more respect than me. But from who, though? For sure. Even guys, even guys that I defeated, like, you know, um, Stephen Thompson. Stephen you, Thompson don't get more respect than me. I'm not going to say that. But people are willing to be like, oh, my God, you know, tell them, Dana said, tell them to get in the cage with Tyron Woodley. He didn't say, hey, Tyron, tell them to get in the cage with Stephen Thompson on a seven-fight win streak, knocking everybody the fuck out with a really super weird style that took me months and a fortune bringing all these fucking crazy Taekwondo, Raymond Daniels, all these, the best of the best to train him, to beat him. Right. Like, nobody gave me that pass. Like, if you see I don't know more. why you concentrate on that. 
I don't. That seems, but you are because you're talking about it. I'm not concentrating on. You need to my call me when you easy. have these nutty thoughts. I'm telling I'm you, man. I'm talking through this I'm shit. You're the you. fucking I'm champ. Telling you. I'm telling you. This is all nonsense. This is wasted, when you, wasted when, energy. When you think, when you think about, and I, it doesn't matter to me because my path is pretty clear. What I want to do, I want to be, be the, the best. Current. I want to be the best welterweight. Reigning. Defending <laughs> undisputed UFC you welterweight act like champion. We in 2007, when that was the shit. But right it is now, the shit. Why, why it's just is, in the middle well, of why it. Is Connor, in the middle of why it. is Connor and Nate fighting super fights that, that are bigger than a world title fight? Because why people they don't money? know you as much. They yeah. don't know you as much yet. And whether whatever, look, Connor is a weird enigma. And yeah. whatever reason why that guy caught fire the way he did, it's yeah. a weird combination of personality, results, skill. It's yeah. a lot of and Ireland. Ireland's yeah. a big factor. I mean, if Connor was from Nebraska, I guarantee well, the shit wouldn't happen the way that way. Ireland's a big fight country too. It's not just a big fight country. The loyalty and the yeah. love that those people have for the people that fight from Ireland, there's not, not there's nothing like that. Yeah. It's it's a it's a weird anomaly. So he's just this weird aberration, and he gives people almost like false hope of what's possible. Yeah, because I don't know if it's possible with a lot of people. It's just it just. It's lightning in a bottle. For whatever reason, it worked with him. But he started it himself, and then what happened? <coughs> yeah. Here come the jumper cables. Boom. Boom. Yeah. UFC put the machine behind him, right? They definitely put the and machine it behind him, but makes without sense the machine to. behind him, there was giant hordes of people flying in from Ireland. I remember one of some of his earlier fights, I was like, and I was commenting on it, I was saying, this is a guy who was on the undercard and they're acting like this is the main event of a pay-per-view they've flown from ireland the audience is filled with thousands of people that flew from ireland that's what like guy. it's like um brimage and um mm-hmm. and now yeah. those guys. even back then it was insane when he fought, i didn't know him back then you know what's funny somebody my old striking coach was like conor mcgregor's this huge star and da, 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 da. i'm like that's when he had first got in the ufc and i'm like I don't even know who the fuck this kid is. He was telling, he was trying to convince me. No, he's a superstar. He's a da 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 da. And then every time I get a chance, I said, "You you were right. He wasn't then, but this motherfucker ended up being a superstar." And he loves to get that credit because at that moment, I think I was getting ready to fight Dungan Kim, and he kept talking about this Conor McGregor. So I said, "Let me look at this motherfucker. Let me look him up because you obviously got a boner for this dude." And I looked him up. I'm like, "All right, he's good. I, I get it. But let me see him beat a couple people, and then if he can beat." Dustin Poirier, then I'm, then I'm gonna give him his props. Knock, knock, knock Dustin knock, Poirier. Knock Dustin Poirier. Yeah. I said, all right. Well, he's hundred percent legit. Yeah, he's legit. Yeah. But it's what else is going on that's so weird. Yeah. It's he's not just legit. He's also this unbelievable personality that yeah. people are drawn to him. Yeah. That's no one can manufacture that. Yeah, so he, like he's he's rehearsed that. He's practiced that. He's looked in the mirror. He has natural wit. He's he's willing to go risky and say some below the belt shit. And he does his research. He don't come to a press conference just, you know, smoking you like the front row of a, a comedy show. He's looking into some deep shit. And when you get there, you kind of stumble. So you're right. He has that. He also has a fight style. He also has so happened to do 80% of shit he says he's going to do. So now he's the fucking messiah. Right. But, but you can't say that the UFC has not gotten behind you or people don't give you the respect that you deserve. That's why you're not in the same level I as him. I didn't say that, Joe. But you said that, that him and Connor or that no, Connor said, and Nate are I'm fighting saying, these super fights. I'm saying that he has gotten that. And I'm right. saying that he has gotten that. And he has lived up to what he said he's going to do. And right. on top of that, you got you to gotta be able to fight. And he can fight. And he's been able to talk. So now not only can he generate the pay-per-view buys and get people interested, he's actually going to deliver 
a, a knockout against Jose Aldo, right. a, a stoppage against Eddie Alvarez, and a crazy, you know, back-to-back fights with, with Nate Diaz. But don't you think that you're in an unusual situation, first of all, because you win the title by spectacular first-round knockout against Robbie Lawler, yeah. right? Unbelievable knockout. But then you have the most awkward and difficult guy to defend your title against. Yeah. I mean, Wonderboy Thompson is a very unusual opponent, and it's hard to look good against him. And out of all the people that fought him, you're the only guy that put him in danger not once but twice. And the way you fought him, I've defended the way you fought him many times because I say, yeah. look, if you look at tactically, if you look at technique and you look at the, uh, the, the art of fighting, that's the way to fight him. Yeah. If you're a guy like Tyron Woodley, a powerful puncher who's a great wrestler, who's got one real one-punch knockout ability, you're not going to open yourself up to Wonder Boy. You're not going to rush him either. P- exactly. Yeah. Don't get picked apart. You're not going to fight him the way he wants to fight. What you did is you laid back a lot, and people booed a lot because of that. But when you connected, you were the one that hurt him. Yeah. In those two fights, he was the one that was in big trouble in both of those fights. Not yeah. you. It was well. His fight was. It was. It was not for me. I'm never. Um, you know. I got the same thing in the Maya fight. But at the end of the day, if someone's attempting to take you down multiple times, over twenty times, it's very hard to get in any type of exchange. Every time you swing, they want to go in yeah. and shot to take you well, down. Well, the Maya fight was tough too yeah. because of your injury, but. You got to go back and look at like Anderson Silva's dark days. There was a dark days when Anderson Silva fought Damian Maya, where nobody wanted to have anything to do with him after that fight. Yeah. And Anderson Silva fought um, when he fought. There was, there was several fights where um, he had just boring results, yeah. and people weren't interested in him fighting anymore. One spectacular knockout, and everybody's back on oh, board yeah. again. Well, and people then, one one spectacular knockout to get the belt, and then everybody slowly forget about it moments later. Because at the time, Stephen Thompson said, no, I'd rather fight Robbie, and I think he's going to win anyway, and da-da-da-da. Mm. And then he think, I'm supposed to be just so graciously like, oh, let's fight in honor. And no, you want to fight Robbie, right? You said Robbie was going to win. You said you personally prefer to fight Robbie because I've been waiting around, even though that wasn't the case. So you said this up. So don't think that I'm just going to give you my spotlight and say, hey, you know what, yeah, let's do this. No, if I'm seeing the table being set, I know there's Nate Diaz's out there, Nick Diaz's out there, George St. Pierre's, Michael Bisming's, guys that have that name, they have that status that I'm trying to get to. Those are the guys I want to fight. I want to knock those guys down because now I can continually inch myself up. Fighting him, well, he's trying to get the same thing I'm trying to get. Why the hell am I going to pull you up with me? Right. If that's the fight they wanted me to fight, one, they never offered me the fight. He said something. Then I think the UFC thought I wasn't taking the fight. The first time they offered me the fight, I accepted it. So when all these people are like, oh, my God, he don't want to fight, trying to pick his fights, blah, 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 he just got the belt. I'm like, but man, But you listen to so too many weird. people, man. You listen no, to, I'm you, talking I think, about. But there's too many people saying things that you're responding to that are, that are irrelevant. I think it's the, the people that, that are in the organization I got to, you know. Okay, yeah, you're dealing yeah. with people that I don't deal with then in, yeah. in that regard. But as far as, like, people that are analysts and experts. Oh, I don't, and, and, yeah, as far as, like, the social media, like, I really don't read social media. Good. Like, uh, I post because I want to post and I leave it alone. So That's smart. when I say that, I'm not saying, without saying who it is, I'm not saying that the fans are making me feel some type of way. Because my, my path is clear. I want to be the greatest welterweight of all time. Right. Whatever it takes. When, when I get an opportunity, I'm trying to knock you out. Okay? At all times. Stephen Thompson is a different type of fight, as you said before. 
Look what happened with Robert Whitaker rushed in. Look what happened when this guy rushed yeah. in. Those guys, that's yeah, what people forget. He from. KO'd Whitaker. They forget. They yeah. forget all this shit. And they also realize how tough it is to take him down against the cage. Remember yeah. how fast he pops up. Mm-hmm. So why not give myself thirty-one foot? That if I want to double leg him, I got the whole place to stretch across and blast him out. He don't have one punch KO power. So even if my back is against the octagon. When I go for a shot, I got the whole entire octagon to take him down versus pressing him, go for the takedown. Him and the cage are both defending my shot, and then him trying to, you know, do some razzle-dazzle kick. So I have no issue with the way I fought him um, or Damian Maia. I don't think there's and, another way yeah, to fight him. Yeah, there, unless, unless I mean, look, you're what, look what George Masvidal did. He, yeah. didn't, he didn't take Maia serious. He didn't train the way. He didn't bring in the top jiu-jitsu guys. Like, it's easy to spar and kick box and look good and never have to take a shot. The way I train, I put myself in positions I know I'm never going to be in. You're never going to take me down. You're never going to have my back. I'm never going to be mounted. But I'm training that shit anyway just in case I slip on a banana peel. I get clipped with a punch. So George, George Masvidal, just from the way I watched him fight, he was surprised. Even the stuff that Stephen Thompson hit me with never surprised me. I got hit with it. He landed some good shots. He's really quick. I mean, I'm fast and explosive, but he's quick. Those punches get to you fast. He's long. And when you start bouncing, you don't even know what the hell he's going to do. And it's kind of like, what are you about to do? What are you about to do? You can watch his performance until he didn't do the proper work. Same thing with Damian Maia. He trained with Kobe like, try to take me down. I'm going to stop the shot and just knock you out. That's not how it works. You got to bring in guys that know his half guard, how he hooks an ankle, how he sweeps, how he switches from one side to the other. What happens when he grabs around your waist? If you give him his back, this is how you're going to lock up. I train with guys that train with him and the guys that are better than Damian Maia on the mat. That way when I got out there, had he taken me down, I would have been prepared to escape, get away, get back to my feet. Do you think that having a chip on your shoulder in some way helps you? Like all these people that doubt you, in some way you, you have to prove I yourself. Know, I just know you that I'm the best. Fuel. I just know that I'm the best. Like, you know, it, it, me and Dean was training one day, and I stopped practicing. I just I had a brain fart, and I just started thinking about George St. Pierre, and I started thinking about all his skills, and I started thinking about Robbie and all the top welterweights. And I said, I'm the fucking best in the world. Nobody's faster than me. Nobody's stronger than me. Nobody works as hard as I do. Nobody has all the skills, the striking, the wrestling, the jiu-jitsu, the defense, the timing, the explosion, the toughness. I've been in wars. I've been in close fights. I've been in fights where I knock people out. I've been in it all. So when I decided that I'm the best, I started carrying myself as if I was already the champion. And that's why I had champ camp. Before I even had the belt. And like, which was, when was this around? Like, which fight? Um, right, shit, Robbie. Right before Robbie. So right before yeah, Robbie. Yeah, I was supposed to, no, Champ Camp actually was supposed to start with um, with Johnny, but Johnny had some complications, didn't make it to the scale. So they told yeah. me I was fighting Robbie. Yeah, I remember talking to you backstage one day uh, at one of the weigh-ins, and you were frustrated. Yeah. And you were like, when the fuck am I getting my title shot? Yeah. Well, that you know, that this is the thing. We know the game changes, and sometimes they want to see fights play out before they make a you know a call. They never want to be on the line saying you are definitely getting the title shot. Right? They've done that a couple of times, and we've seen what happened. Right? And they pulled out of it. Pulled out yeah. of it. So I fought Kelvin Gastelum, and Kelvin Gastelum was supposed to be this conditioning freak, and he missed weight by ten pounds. And you know, for me, I don't play that shit. Don't act like you were so sick. No, you didn't make weight. And what happens when you don't make weight? You actually didn't have to go through and suck your body all the way down to scratch weight like I did. So you should actually look better. So I don't want to be like, oh, he, he was sick and that's why. He, no, he had a chance. He just is never going to beat me. I fought him. He was the one that was huffing and puffing. He couldn't hit me. He couldn't land any significant punch. I landed. And after that fight, you know, um, it was some scrutiny on the fight. I'm like, okay, you want me to grapple with him? 
so he can try to take my back and do a redneck choke like he did to everybody else. You want me to exchange with him and let him get into the fight when I know I'm fast, I know I'm sharper. He can't hit me. He, I got better defense. The whole time he's pushing me against the cage, I hear his coach say, no, 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 don't go there, don't go there. He was terrified that the Koshek thing was going to happen to him. So he backed up every time he pushed me to the octagon. Why wouldn't I play on that? You know what I mean? So when people look at that, he was said that he was going to get a title shot. I don't know if you remember that. They said if Kelvin Gaston would be tired, he's going to get a title shot. You remember I don't that? remember people saying that. Yeah, they That's were saying Dana, that, but they weren't saying people, that about you. Dana, Dana White you beat, said it. They didn't say that if Dana, you beat Dana him. Dana White said if Kelvin Gastelum beats Tyron, he's getting a title shot. Remember, he had already been coach um, selected for the coach. He got the coaching job off the loss, after missing weight by ten pounds, and then they told me he would never fight at one eighty five again if I took the fight. I mean, one seventy again if I took the fight. So he lost to me, missed weight, still got the tough coaching job, and on top of that. He was going to get a title shot had he beaten me. But why do you – so, you again, it comes to this chip on your shoulder thing. You feel like everybody's against you. No. You do a little. I don't. A I know you want me to, though. No, you do. This is what, the, what you're saying. It's the things that you're saying. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that I know, I, know the, I know the deck of cards I got, and I know how to play these deck of cards. Well, what do you think the deck of cards is? The deck of cards is it's going to come a moment where I'm a superstar. And when I get to that moment, I have more leverage. At this time, I'm not at the point where Conor McGregor's at. So I gotta, if I got to fight the number one contender and I can't vouch out to fight a George St. Pierre or Bisbing or a Conor or a Nate at this moment, I'm going to keep whipping ass until I get to that point. Well, after George is beaten right now, George is in an amazing position, right? Yeah. George beats Bisbing. If he wanted to, and he dropped the title, but if yeah. he wanted to come back and fight you, for uh, the welterweight title, that's a legitimate super fight right there. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. You think particularly fight coming me? off of his big fight? I, you don't think he does? Look, you tell me. You think George want to fight? Look me? at your face. <laughs> George you had the chance. George had the chance to fight me before Bisming. He chose to fight Bisming. Well, maybe he felt like that was a better fight for him to come back with. It was a definitely a better fight because if he would have came back against me looking like that, George would have been right back in retirement. He he did not look great. Bisming did not look great. Um, one thing that helped George in that fight, his experience. He loosened up. He was a little uptight. You know, he hadn't been in the octagon, what, four years almost? Uh, um, a little over two. Yeah, you know, a little no, over was, three, right? It was more than that, Was right? it four? It was almost four. It wasn't quite four. It was almost four. Because I fought November. I fought November. UFC, it was the 25th anniversary. No, I think you're right. I think it was like four Because I fought Koshek on the card. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I fought yeah, that's a long-ass time. So he, for him to not fight. That long, I don't care how much you train. You're asking in a fight, you don't have a training camp, focus on a person. It's tough. So when he came back, I saw the experience kick in. He relaxed a little bit. That's when he fake landed a left hook. Mm-hmm. Had he not relaxed, I mean, you know, who right. knows what would have happened. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. It was, a t- it was interesting because Bisping was tight, and I expected, I expected him to be looser. Big, Bisping doesn't have the, the – I mean, he's not guys out, but he's not a guy that, you know, you're thinking of like – a rumble or in Ghana right. or myself or somebody one shot or Stevens, uh, Jeremy Stevens, somebody right. that's going to touch you and it's over with. So with that said, he's a, he's a person that's going to be volume. He's going to be in your face, great conditioning. He's very durable. And George had to make that adjustment. He said, all right, I'm going to be an athlete on this guy. Mm-hmm. Let me fake him out. Let me get him thinking about the shot. I took him down twice. Let me get him thinking about it. Level change, come up left hook. Very smart move. And that's something that the experience of being a champion um, allowed him to do. Well, there was some talk about him fighting Connor, but I didn't hear any of that from the official people. Yeah. And him fighting Connor at 170 pounds would have been fascinating. It's in terms of like, it's a terrible matchup for Connor. Yeah. 
you know, in terms of like just physicality. But once again, risk and reward. What happens if yeah. you lose to the greatest welterweight of all time? Yeah. People going to torture him about it? Yeah, but Conor doesn't want to lose another fight right now. Like, this is not a good time. Especially in his division, there's so much talent. Like, right now, you think, at you think he want to see Habib right now? That's what I'm saying. That's what I want to see. You think he will? You think, what about you think, Tony? You th- I mean, Tony's a. If, if I was Conor, which I'm not, um, if I had to pick the fight, they're both are going to be. I mean, Habib might be a bigger draw because he got a. Huge, huge, 140-some million people in Russia. Might be a bigger draw, but they both are very annoying fights. Very dangerous fights. Dangerous. Tony Ferguson, you know, it don't take much for him to find a way to get around your neck and choke you. He's he always, doesn't get tired. He doesn't get tired. He looks like he's losing fights, and he don't care. His striking is very awkward. Um, he can really do what Nate Diaz did to Conor. Yeah. And Nate Diaz, you know, baffled him. Like, damn, I hit you with everything. You're still around. Then Conor went for the damn shot. The same thing's going to happen if you do that to Tony. Tony's going to submit him. Here's my um, prediction. My prediction, Connor doesn't fight for a while. He watched those two they fight. They strip him. They strip Connor. And he comes fight me. Habib and Tony fight for the world title. For you, you're in a situation. <laughs> I don't think either one of those guys are in the cars right now for you. But for you, who don't do you try see to mess up my dreams. Well, what's your dream? Tell you know me what? To be is. honest, is, um, you know, my dream was to really, I wanted to, I wanted to fight yours. And... That's I feel still like, possible. I feel like if I fought George, I can legitimately say I'm the best welterweight of all time if I beat him. It's still possible. George I mean, hasn't I'm retired. I'm Has he it, said anything about you? He asked one time on a like Fox Q and A where he was going like, "So Tyron, if you fought, what would be your game plan? You know, if you fought us, but they got X'd out because they didn't want to get all the fans pumped up that we were fighting. Why wouldn't they? Do you think they're? Plotting against you. I see it in your face. Joe, she is not <laughs> going to do that to me. I am too bright, mother. <laughs> You're not going to. You want me to be like uh, the people who no, are against I me. Listen, I, I, wa- freaking, I want you to just be focused. You want me to be real? Uh, I d- yeah, sure. You want me to be real? Sure. Do I think that the people want to see me lose? No, I don't think they want to see me lose. Do I think that sometimes I'm a pain in the ass? Yeah, I am. But in business, at one point in any business, does not the person that's doing the business not want their best interests. So if I'm an athlete and I'm looking out for my best interests and I'm trying to put myself in a position where, you know, I can fight, become a legend, become a Hall of Famer, I should do that. If I want to be paid appropriately, I should do that. In our sport, because of you, the way the UFC started, we the damn UFC, you do what we say, and that's it. No questions. You fight who we want to fight. You get paid who we want to get paid, and that's it. And then what happened? The specialists, the one-trick ponies, stopped. Then collegiate athletes start getting in there, college wrestlers. You know, Kenny Florian's the goddamn um, almost thinking about being a doctor at one point. So now you got intelligent people coming into the sport. They just so happen to be businessmen, entrepreneurs. So now I'm looking at market value. I'm seeing what these motherfuckers are making, and guess what? I should be making this if they're making that. If I'm the champion and this person's doing this, I should do that. Knowing what everybody's making, knowing all the numbers, I want to be at least fair. I don't ask for no crazy. I don't ask for no $15 million and all that other stuff. So if me doing that makes me become difficult, then I guess I'm just a little bit difficult. Okay, but let me, let me look at it from their perspective. What they look at in terms of what a, an athlete is worth is like how much are they bringing in? Like, what kind of pay-per-view buys are you getting? How much was George, how much, this how much was George bringing in when he first is, started fighting? Well, he wasn't making nearly as much money back then. But how much was he? Everybody has to start a certain way. You can't, but that's, you can't throw you out and say, okay, fight Wonderboy. 
um, UFC, blah, blah, blah. And if you don't do five, oh, well, you did 300,000 bodies. You're not a draw. Okay. How was I promoted as a champion? How was... Okay, this is a long, circuitous sort of a conversation if we continue along this way. But what I'm trying to say is... There, there is a fancy ma- word. There's a way. It's a fifteen dollars. Well, it's, it's like a circular. It's sort of a thing. You're gonna All keep right. circling back around to it. What I think is there's a way for if if you want to make a big super fight, like if George St. Pierre really wanted to make a big super fight, and the UFC wanted to make a big superstar out of you, that's the fight. Because one of two things happens: either he you, beats you and he's even bigger than ever, yeah, or you beat him and you become bigger than ever. Let's do it. That's what I'm saying. There's no other fight that makes but, sense. But that's. That's that makes sense. No one's trying to stop that from happening. What when the UFC is not willing to pay a certain amount of money, it's because they don't think they're going to get a certain amount of money. It's not because they're trying to avoid getting paid. If they thought that you could be some enormous superstar and they could make Conor McGregor type money from you, there's not. They would never say, "Ah, oh, we don't want to do that because we don't want to give Tyron power." They don't yeah. think like that. Yeah. They, they think like they're numbers people. They're trying to make pay-per-view buys and if you only sold 300,000 pay-per-view buys because of the Wonder Boy fight there's not much they can do about that I mean it's not whether or not you are promoted a certain way as a fighter it's like that fight for someone like me is fascinating but for the average fucking Johnny Lunchbox I want to see blood cut type person that's not but the the, pay-per-views the pay-per-views are bought before the (coughs) fight takes place Right, but so, they knew the style. They knew the style. They knew the matchup, and especially the second time you guys well, it was, fought. It was, it, was, it was the fight of the night on the biggest card of UFC history, UFC 205 in Madison Square Garden. According to them, it was the best fight of the entire card. So if that was the best fight and it was fight well, of the says, night. Is that because it got the award of fight of the night? Yeah. Yeah. That's just so you can get a bonus, though, right? I mean, and when you look at the the fights in terms of, like, you could have a, a card where there's a a lot of fights that aren't entirely significant, and that would be the fight of the night. I don't think there's anything wrong with that fight. I've told no. you before, I like that fight. But and what I'm saying is that the UFC, the people that are cashing the checks, if they deem, because they're the one to make decisions, right? right? Dana and whoever, if they say that this fight was a fight of the night, Which right? means you get more money. You get more money, a couple, right. a couple more bucks. But think about this. How different was the second fight? It was really kind of the same fight. Pretty much the same. So how is that fight, fight of the night, and then a very exact fucking fight a few months later is a boring fight? I don't get it. What happened well, Who said it's boring? Uh, if you say it's boring, the world's going to say it's boring. If Dana says it's boring, the world's going to say it's boring. So, well, I never said it was boring. No, no, I'm just saying. I say if you look at the result after the fact, people might say the, if you knew what happened during the fight, you yeah. might say, well, it's boring to watch again. But watching it live was not boring at all because the consequences are so grave. Yeah. It's one of the things that I pointed out. Like, if Wonder Boy fucks up, he's going to sleep. Yeah. If you fuck up, you're going to get kicked in the head, too. Yeah. Like, anything can go wrong in that fight. Well, That's Dana, a very Dana didn't fight. say it was a boring fight. What he said was, man, the way you, the way you let go of him in that period, you know— why don't you just do that every time? Oh, I that's said, crazy talk. I said, Dana, I said, when I let go, it's because I see the opening. Yeah. When I see the opening, you will always know me to go. Tell me one time I've seen opening and not went, and I had somebody hurt and I not try to finish it. But him. don't you think that that's just frustration for someone who's not fighting, who says things that aren't logical to you as a yeah. guy who's a champion who is fighting? It's, these, but, are, these are things that people say but that aren't da- logical. But it's damaging when it's the president. Right. When the president says it, Especially when you got the cultish following, whatever he says is going to go. If they say Damian Maya's born, everybody, and they're not even going to change the word. If you say Tyron Woodley 
and Damian Maya. Oh my God, that fucking fight was boring. Somebody's gonna tweet Tyron Woodley, Damian Maya. Oh my God, that fucking fight is boring. They're not right. even gonna change a word. Right. That's what we have. So as a champion and in a position of being supposed to be promoted. At that place, it becomes damaging. So now, how are you going to come back and say, okay, Tyron's back. His shoulder's fixed. He's one of the fucking most devastating guys out there. You know, knock your motherfucking head off. But then five minutes ago, you just said he was born. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it's, it, it's very hard. Okay, I see what you're saying. We're you know, talking about two different things. What you're yeah. saying is you feel like the way they talked about you after the fight was damaging For and sure. disrespectful and, and also not accurate in terms of the consequences of your actions in the fight yeah. and nobody and nobody came through and was like damn you know what after find out this motherfucker tore his goddamn labrum in the first round and he still didn't give a one damn takedown didn't hardly get touched at all in the entire fight maybe punched two or three times total then that's kind of clutch this motherfucker got he must got fucking a strong that's mind. what you would like to hear no, I don't want to hear anything because I want to fight. But you're saying that. You're saying <laughs> I'm that. Saying, so you I'm, saying that I'm saying that it was a choice made to say one thing. Right. But, but it was also flies off the cuff, right? Yeah, and but, it's always but it's, been the thing about him. But but it's also, you can also fly off the cuff in the other direction. You can also say, hey, this person's fucking next superstar. Oh, my God, Ngano is crazy. Oh, my God, Cody Garbrandt is fucking the man. Oh, my God, Paige Van Zandt this. Oh, my man, Sage York at that. You can say that. And what's what happened? Do, 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 do. Million followers. Two million followers. And that makes a big difference. But that can happen to you at any moment. You are frustrated by the reaction to three particular fights. I'm not the two wonder you're definitely frustrated. You want me to be frustrated? Settle down, fella. I know. I want to tell you a secret. <laughs> I'm working like hell right now. I know you are, and I'm not frustrated. I know you are. I'm doing a lot of but TV you're, work. You're obviously work. unhappy with certain things, and this unhappiness stems from the result of three fights. But if you look at one fight before that, the Robbie Lawler fight. I mean, everybody was talking about you like you were the most devastating thing of all time. The fact that you were able to do that to Robbie Lawler. Yeah. All you need is one or two more fights like that, and everybody forgets about Damian Maya. Yo, That's you what want, happens. You want me to be frustrated so bad? No, I don't. <laughs> well, let me tell you this. I definitely don't. I'm really not frustrated, my man. Oh, okay. Now you're playing the cool guy. I see what's I'm not up. frustrated. <laughs> I just know my deck of cards. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, I got a very thick layer of skin, and I'm very, I'm very cautious of who I am and my brand. Now, when and you I, look at the, the, the division, right, you're okay. the champ, you're at the top of the food chain, yeah. what do you see in front of you? Like, what, what threats, what, what fighters do you think are, present unique challenges? None. Well, what do you think is next for you? If you just forget about the super fights with oh, Bisping. I think the deck needs to be shuffled, and I think when I come back, uh, I think when I come back, um, I'll take that back. Carl Usman is dope. He's freaking, he's fighting this weekend too. Kamaru Usman's Kamar a bad Usman's man. He's a bad man. And he's a guy that a lot of people are not talking about for some strange <clears throat> for, reason. For a lot of reasons. And, I, and I'm okay to talk about it because, you know, I've always been honest. He's very tough. He's a good style matchup for me um, um, to present a lot of challenges. He's a good wrestler. He's very strong. He's starting to come along with his hands. And I, like, if I'm going to fight somebody and it's on some number one contender shit, shit I want to fight somebody I respect. Somebody like RDA, somebody like Usman, Till, um, Ponte Nevio. These dudes are these dudes are savages, and you know not to sound cocky, but I think my toughest challenges are behind me. I think Carlos Condit and Robbie Lawler, and at the time when Koscheck was almost a few fights, you know, away from fighting George, and you know those guys at that moment, 
those guys presented a lot of problems. Kashek had the same overhand right, just a little bit different. Wrestling, great chin, um, great condition, a lot of experience. You know, it was, a, it was a threat for me. Robbie Lawler was a fighter of the year, back-to-back. You know, had some of the craziest fights we've ever seen. Fucking lip hanging open. He's bleeding. And that's the dude I had to walk in. He was a boogeyman at the time. So for me to get bubble guts, don't nobody have that power that Nate Marquardt did when he knocked me the hell out. I'll never be hit that hard again in my life. You think Kobe Covington is going to punch me and make me, like, wince and back up? No. Look how he was punching Damian Maya. Those are rabbit punches. So if you don't have... Great wrestling, great wrestling defense, great conditioning, and power in your hand, you're just not going to give me butterflies. Well, I think for sure you have accomplished some great things and fought some amazing fights against some very dangerous challenges. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt about that. No one could deny that. Yeah. And those fights that you did just talk about, Carlos Condit, particularly Robbie Lawler, Josh Koscheck yeah. in his prime, amazing fights, great results. But when you talk about Usman, we talk about RDA, you talk about Darren Till, you're talking about... Also, potential amazing fights. Okay, great. You know, I think there's a lot of outstanding opportunity, and I think your division is one of the most talent-rich divisions in the sport. Yeah, I'm, I'm not discrediting that. I think that I'm always a forward-thinking dude. So the Till guy didn't sneak up on me. Neither did you saw Till in oh, advance. Yeah. You saw him. I'm gonna tell. I'm, I'm gonna tell you how I do this. Right at one point in time, it was Brandon Thatch, it was um, Eric Silva, it was um, Kelvin Gastelum. It was Steven Thompson, okay? Brandon Thatch, Eric Silva, kind of doing it away. Gaslam went up, fought me. Steven Thompson went up. So now these the, the Darren Till, um, the Usman, all those guys, they're in that same pool. Mm-hmm. So I'm always thinking about training, always thinking about fighting these guys, always game planning for these guys before they even come up. At some point, I don't have to fight everybody because they they're going to cancel each other out. If it's five studs, I might walk into three of them. So I got to be ready. Damian Maya wasn't a surprise. I asked for Damian Maya after I fought Jake Shields or somebody, somebody I fought. And uh, my manager was like, dude, why do you want to fight Damian Maya, man? He's such a beast and this is this and this and that. I'm like, I know this on paper. Roy McDonald's my toughest matchup in the division right now. Okay. Even when Ellenberger was a stud and was fucking wrecking people because of his power, his wrestling and his condition, him and Johnny Hendricks also would have been a threat. What guys were I trying to fight? Let me get Johnny Hendricks, for, for, former champion, Roy McDonald. So I was going up against the guys. Carlos Conant, still today, might be my favorite fighter. So when I watched his video, I was getting bumped. I'm like, this motherfucker, good. I was stealing his techniques. But what happened when I fought him? Did he look like the same Carlos Conant? He looked, no, I punched him. He looked like a ratchet was snatching him across the, you know, across the octagon. It wasn't like I just kicked him in the knee and, oh, my God, he was going to win. No, he was getting dominated that fight because I did my homework. I respect him that much that I took all his tools and I left him naked out there in the octagon. And he had to deal with my speed and he had to deal with my power. That's what I do to everybody. Nobody sees it. They think I'm just this strong-ass fucking wrestler with a hard right hand. But look at the way that Jordan Meehan looked against me. Look at the way that Tarek Safadine, I outstruck Paul Daly. Kelvin Gaslam has never looked like that against anybody else. Same thing with Steven. Same thing with uh, Maya. Same thing with Condit. Same thing with Robbie. It's not, it's not a surprise. That's the way that Duke... And Dean and I, we we address what we, if I'm fighting me, fight Tyron this way. Take him to the late round. Kick his leg. Stay away from his power. Circuit this way. So now I'm going to formulate my game plan about what I think you think of me. Then I think about every fucking thing that you do. 
Every skill, every talent, every mannerism, what you do when you get tired, what you're going to go to, what's your bread and butter. And I get ready for those. And it's sometimes it's like Robbie took a long time, it took up until the week of the fight for me to be like, I got this motherfucker. What was it that was different? He, he just punches really awkwardly. He punches his arms are way longer than what you think. Um, he, he's, he's got way better boxing than what you think. It doesn't look all like, like you see somebody slipping and stuff. Um, he, he threw a lot of unorthodox overhand lefts and um, uppercuts and right kicks, which makes it very difficult to slip offline and throw any punches. He will scramble any first shot. If you shoot a shot, he'll scramble you hard. You have to shoot two, three, four attempts to get him to the ground. He had one butterfly that he used to sweep to get out the ground. So we just knew all that. And then at any point, he can play rope-a-dope, and then he can come off swinging. So that's a lot of things to think about. And then he just can stand here like this and go, boom, and you knocked out. Not technique, not turning hips. He just had heavy hands naturally. So that's always a threat. And we've seen him in wars. He's not going to go away. So I had to, you know, formulate a game plan that, that I can get around all that. Now, when you saw the RDA Robbie Lawler fight, you said that you weren't really impressed with that fight. Because RDA had him against the octagon and he was tearing off for 30,000 punches and he didn't knock him down and he didn't hurt him. He was basically just punching the punch. Anytime you punch the punch, you're wasting your energy. Well, he's going up in weight, and he's more volume now than he was when he was fighting at 155. Yeah, I think he's fighting. Hey, you hear now? More energy. I mean, when you, when you get here now, I mean, if you if you make the jump, you make the jump. You know, you can't be like I'm a. I was a. I was a lightweight, and no, he's a welterweight. You know, yeah, now. he's a welterweight. No doubt, now, but so I mean, his style is different than, yeah. especially a guy like you throws one this, shot. This, bombs. this is my thought on Robbie. Okay. A lot of people, I pick Robbie apart in, 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 in the film room before I even fought him. And the fight was over with before the fight started. Robbie starts out the first 30 seconds extremely hard. He ends the first sec- 30 seconds extremely hard. Second and fourth round are kind of close. He's going for it, you're going for it. He'll take some to give some. Okay? Third round, he usually takes off. You ever notice that? He gets against a cage. He's confident in his defense. He'll let you punch and he'll block you. Okay, he won't waste a lot of energy, so he can get into that second gear. It's not that he's so well conditioned. Watch his fight against Carlos. Watch his fight against Rory. Watch his fight against RDA. He spent that same moment against the octagon where he allowed the opponent to punch at him. The same thing with Johnny. Then he came off trying to get them to burn themselves out. It's very smart, but if everyone act like he's just um, freaking marathon runner, he's not. So when that happened, I said, okay. You got to get on Robbie Hart. You got to get on Robbie quick. He's been punched a lot. Like I did all, every fucking stash you can think. I had Reed Kuhn, the Fightonomics guy, hit me up saying Robbie has a flat face. You punch his fat face, he's used to absorbing those punches. Go around the side, punch him on the jawline. What kind of crazy logic is that? Man, I'll use everything. I can tell you how many times he stepped to the fucking left during the fight, how many times he throws right hand versus left hand. So. You know, I've been really secretive about a lot of this stuff because most people just see me as an athlete that just punch hard, that's a good wrestler, that, you know, that's tough and, you know, you know, good game plan. But I really overly get obsessed with studying my opponents to the point where when Masvidal was fighting Wonderboy, I'm like, he about to do this. He about to do that. He's doing this. He's setting this up. Look, told you. There you go. Oh, he's about to do it. And everybody's looking at me like, how the fuck do you know that? I say, you motherfuckers watched that fight that I fought him and you thought it was so easy. Get your ass in there and let Wonder Boy. So Wonder Boy's a G, and he he can take a punch way better than I thought. I hit his ass hard, and he went down three or four times, and he just had the mentality, I'm not going to lose today. I'm not going to lose today. And he was rewarded for that effort of just saying, you know what, 
I'm gonna give it all I got, and um, he'll forever have my respect. But at the end of the day, you got to be able to be honest with yourself. I'm honest with who I am, what I do well. I'm not the best at elbows. Can I throw elbows? Yes. But am I going to sit out there and act like I'm, you know, Matt Brown or somebody? No, that's his deal. Matt Brown ain't going to storm you across the octagon like I will. So once I see what I do well, and I, you know, I can hide my weaknesses behind my strengths. I can allow my opponents never to put me in a spot where they're going to have the advantage. Did Damian might ever put me in a position where he had me in his half guard? No, never did it. But you still, you didn't think that... RDA's performance against Robbie Lawler was impressive because he I, I overwhelmed was, Robbie. I mean, he, did Robbie tear his ACL in the fight? I don't know. I think he might have. I think from a tactical from a tactical standpoint, so I thought find out. I thought he had some um, really good success with low kicks. Yeah, and I thought he kind of abandoned that. I was kind of surprised that he didn't do that. And um, then I, I saw Robbie do the rope though, but Robbie never came off. Normally, like I said, Robbie will take some punches, then he'll come off storming you. Never came off storming. Maybe it's because he messed his leg up or whatever. But just from, from two people that they want to say, going to fight me next, let me fight somebody. And it's a situation. It's a, did he tear it? Lawler fought RDA, seriously injured. Now those injuries have been revealed. Let's see what we got here. What does it say? Uh, meniscus destroyed, blew his ACL Damn. and meniscus in the fight, and every other thing that's in your knee out in the third oh, round. Said wobbled over to the fence. So it makes sense, though. It. Yeah, it makes sense make because sense. because because if Robbie is notoriously known for you know like think about when Rory had him against the octagon when Carlos yeah. kind of then he comes out and he comes out um, blasting. But it said makes he, a lot of sense. It said he hurt himself before the fight though. The article I was going to pull yeah. up, but I found that that said, yeah, he was injured going into the fight. So he tore his ACL before the fight mm. or during the fight? The title of that, though, go back to that real quick. The title of it said, who seriously injured going into the fight, right? Uh, no, it said injured, and then the injuries have been revealed. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah so they said, I think that one said the third round, right? Yeah. yeah so he, Which he is right where you round. were saying that he lays it off. Makes sense. Yeah. So, 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 he, so he, didn't, he didn't come off. Uh, you can't go to a thread yeah, no, on us, brother. That's forum post. That's I want to go with. That's at Shurzog, Zaga, You can't go to the thread on us. We don't know where the hell that came from. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, you know, but that would make sense because I'm used to Robbie coming off and getting those 30-second bursts. Like, I don't know exactly. You know, I talked to Big John about this for a while, about the judging, right, and, you know, damage being landed. Yeah. So some of those fights, where even if Robbie wasn't the more active one, he's damaging people more because he punched harder and is looked right. more aggressive. But how can Carlos Condit – Control the fact that he just don't punch as hard as Robbie. Right. You know, should he be penalized? Did you think he beat um, Robbie in a fight? I'd have to go back and watch that again. I thought it was at the a time. Very, did you, very at the time, fight. did you think it? I don't think I did. I thought I, th- I think I thought that Hendricks did or uh, that uh, Robbie did just enough to win. What but about, I'd have to go back and I'd have to go back and watch it again. Yeah, I, th- I thought at that moment that Carlos won, but I wasn't like, oh my god, I can't believe they gave it mm-hmm. to Robbie. But when it was going, extremely close. It was really close. You can make an argument close. for either guy winning, yeah. I think. But Robbie, because he landed the more harder punches, po- harder punch, and they right. look scarier. Right. I think that's why he got the nod. That means know? something, though. Yeah. I mean, uh, someone who hits harder, it has more damage. That damage should be accumulated. I mean, that should be so. Uh, someone, so someone, added up. so someone throws punches, and it looks like it's affecting a person. More, even if the other person throw more and land more, then the person is landing the damage and punches you think should win. I think damage should count for more than punches that don't damage. So, like if one person hits, is that you, the way that they supposed to score now? Currently, I, I don't know. I mean, the new it's what's interesting is Nevada still doesn't accept the new rules. 
They need to get the crazy. old ones right before yeah. they try to bring in the new ones. Yeah. Yeah, but what's also interesting is the scores are much wider now. Yeah. Like, you see a lot more 10-8s now than you yeah. ever saw before, which I think is good. I just think that we're our system, taking a system from boxing that only uses hands yeah. and applying that to takedowns, submission attempts, yeah. leg kicks, You would elbows. almost have to know this guy is a jiu-jitsu world champion. The fact that this guy swept him, he should score more because this guy, this is his, you know, right. wheelhouse. But nobody's going, no right. judge is going to have that, you know, insight. I think it should be a much broader system. I don't think yeah. it should be 10 points at all. I think you're dealing with extreme amounts of variables. It should be like yeah. almost like a 100-point system. I, the, the guy that ref my fight against the Wonderboy the first time, the one that um, was one judge that gave a 10-8 the first round and a 10-9 the fourth round. Fourth round is when I knocked him down three times. Yeah, the ten eight was when you almost got him in the guillotine. Is that why he? No, 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 no. That, that's what he said. I almost got him in the guillotine in the fourth round. Yeah, and he said, "Well, I you know, you, why did I think you almost got him in the guillotine the first round? In the first I? fight, the first fight, the first round, I just grounded upon the hell out of him. I took him down and I just beat him up for the whole round. Um, he gave that round a ten eight. So it was the fourth round where you got him in the guillotine. The fourth, the fourth round is when I knocked him down. I knocked him down again. I knocked him down again, and then I went for the guillotine. Oh. So I knocked him down three times, and then I went for the guillotine. The judge told me, he said, "You know, I thought it was a ten eight round, you know, but then you wasted a minute in the guillotine. Wasted a minute." He told me. <laughs> now, now I had just got over this shit, right? I was, I was just, I just he got really fucking said that. He said that I had just oh. got over the fact that I felt like it was some bullshit. I got over that fact. I said, you know what, whatever it is, what it is, let's do it again. This time I'm going to fucking beat him. This motherfucker walk up to me. Now, I don't even know who he is. Say, hey, man, I just want to let you know I, I judge your fight. And, um, you know, uh, I'm the one that gave you the 10-8 in the first round and 10-8 in the fourth round. And then all of a sudden my insides just start burning. And then he's like, you know, I just want to explain to you why. You know, because I don't have a problem with, you know, facing the fighters afterwards. You know, you did well. I was going to give you a 10-round. You know, it was crazy. And, you know, but then you waste, wasted a minute in the guillotine. <laughs> So crazy. I said, um, sir, let me tell you something. I said, the first round, if you would have said 10 9 on that, okay. I ground and pound, I bloodied him up. He didn't show no offense. 10 8, 10 9, whatever you want to give it. I'm cool with that. And I said, the fourth round, I knocked him down three times. And I said, I want to tell you, a guillotine choke is not a, um, is not a wasting, it's not a move that you can say I wasted time in. It's a finishing move. And it had he was tight. Had, had, he, was ta- a tight had he fucking tapped out, the fight would have been over with. So the fact that I tried to knock him out. Then his neck became available to my arms. Then I grabbed his fucking neck. Then I tried to choke him out. Then he popped his head out. Yes, he's tough for making it through the whole onslaught of me trying to kill him. But does that give him an extra point? He said, but then he threw some punches. I said, go back and watch the fight. I said, he threw a few punches from top. How many landed? He said, I don't know. I said, sir. Um, (laughs) I said, I'm over the fight. I'm glad they didn't say I lost the fight, but the only significant damage that was landed in the fight came from me. The only knockdowns, the only, you know, blood drawn, the only jeopardy of someone, the referee getting involved happened yeah. when I was on the other end of it. So I just think the system sucks. Yeah. I really think the scoring system. Hey, needs to be just don't let it go revamped. to the judges. <laughs> That's ridiculous, right? Because that, people talking. go in there and say, you know what? 
fuck it. Today, I'm going to let it go. Let it go to the judges. I'm a, hey, you know what? I'm not going to try to knock you out. No, I trust them three right there look very trustworthy. I'm going to leave it in their hands and all my kids and my family and my belt. I'm going to just, you know, I'm going to leave it up to them. I always hate that expression. I hate it because it's so stupid. Some, some guys don't want to be finished. Most guys in, in Steven's case would have would have it been over with. Yeah. Um, you know, um, some guys just tough. I mean, I don't want to just be finished. Right. So. Nobody does. Yeah. It's a foolish way of looking at it. Yeah. It's not. It's just you, the the best way to fight is the best way to fight. Yeah. And if you see an opening, like you said, that's when you move. Yeah. The idea that you're supposed to just rush into danger. That's how you lose. Yeah. Like, and the fact that people don't know that. And that people say things like that and they don't understand what – they really shouldn't be talking about fighting. Man. Co- fighting is a complicated thing. The fighting way is a I complicated it, thing and it's also – it's one sport where it's like if the team doesn't run the ball well, they don't run the ball. They pass. So if this – if Stephen Thompson, he doesn't have to wrestle. He doesn't have to try to do jiu-jitsu. Right. He just have to stop you from doing it to him. Well, and he's got you that know? style that's impossible to find anywhere else. He's yeah. standing completely sideways. He's throwing front leg kicks that can knock you out. Man, he's doing so a lot annoying. of weird stuff. And he bends at the waist yeah. like a snake. He le- all those years of point karate. Like He's really fast at it, too. It's he, very he good that you brought me, in Raymond in Daniels, throw. too. Raymond Daniels, which is a pain in the ass. Steve, oh, um, yeah. Sage Northcutt, which actually, yeah. in my opinion, sparring-wise, was way harder than, um, than Wonder Boy. More it's, MMA experience, for sure. Sage and is also sidekicks. Sage is his sidekicks. He's not, I had the word um, taekwondo pad um, to spar Sage. He kicked me through the fence. Oh, my, my bad, Mr. Woodley. I'm like, damn, this motherfucker is for like LAPD. Like sidekick's yeah. no joke. It's yeah, no so, joke. So he um he was good. I had a kid named Chris Bang from the same um, background. Then I had another guy named um uh, Michael Tang, who's the Taekwondo guy from the, from the East Coast. And then actually, a lot of people don't know this. Duke actually, his original base was Taekwondo. So having all those guys, it wasn't fun. I mean, it was it was many rounds. I did not win. I mean, Sage Northcutt kicked my ass for a couple couple days because I couldn't figure out how the hell to get up on him without getting kicked in the side kick. Right. Then now you got to think about it. Like, damn, do I, how close do I get to him before he you know, yeah. kicked me in the side? So, you no, know. it's a totally different style of movement. And mm-hmm. Wonder Boy's probably the best in the world at yeah, it. Yeah, he's good. It's it's a very complicated fight, and that's yeah. why I almost had an MVP out too. To me. But he um his his manager was trying to get too much money. Who, say that again, um, yeah. Michael Venom Page. Oh, really? I was gonna bring him out too. He wanted to come out, but his manager. Excuse me, wanted me to bring him, bring the manager, bring the friend, you know, mm, pay them all this money, yeah. get them all three different separate rental cars. Through. I said, I don't know if the hell y'all think I am, what kind of money I got, but we're not doing that for three days. You made a big change in your life when you started training with Duke, and a lot yeah. of people don't know that before that you really didn't have, like, a main trainer, uh, which is ha- pretty impressive. Dean's been with me for a long time, but as far as – a coach, coach every day. Uh, I put myself through stuff. That was all I was doing. So it's before, crazy. Before Duke, it was just me. I had a gym. I would say, "Hey guys, we're gonna spar at this time. We're gonna do this." I would, you know, you know, try to address my weaknesses. And I've been really blessed to have the amount of success I had without having a full time coach. Then it just got to the point when I told Dean, I said, "Man, whatever it costs, man, whatever I gotta pay, I need you." The whole time, I said, because I can't do it. I've been winging this shit. I can't keep doing that. But what you was know? interesting, you told me that it was your son's idea. Well, yeah, you got a good memory. To go to Duke. You've been taking some notes. No, I can remember <laughs> shit. Yeah, my son, I had, um, we was doing an embedded thing, and he was like, so where are we going tomorrow? I was like, damn. Like, either tomorrow, and it's, just, it's so on a humbug. I'm like, we either going to fly to Florida, me and Dean, 
or we're gonna drive to Milwaukee. And then my uh, my my son Darren, he said, I think you should go to Florida. Go up there and train with Ben Askren and Anthony Pettis and those guys. And I think you should go. Up you mean there. Milwaukee? You Milwaukee. Said Florida. Sorry, Milwaukee. Yeah. yeah. So I said, we woke up that morning. And I said, fuck it, we're going to Milwaukee. <laughs> so the, the embedded guys, they, they they actually had to drive my car. I was getting tired and falling asleep. So the, the embedded guys were driving my truck up there. And we went up there. It was cold, negative 14 degrees. I was like, man, if this sucks, I'm coming back home in a week. I brought Eve out there who ain't never been in the cold in his life. He was acting <laughs> like he was going to die. But, um, yeah, I went out there. And then Duke has always invited me to come out. He don't invite a lot of guys. But Duke, from Ben, from Anthony, I always saw those guys killing southpaws. And after I talked to Duke, now I understand. Duke's brother was a southpaw. So his main sparring partner, he learned all the tricks on how to defeat a southpaw. So I'm like, how did Anthony and all these guys, every time they go against somebody of the opposite stance, they did great against them. So if you do the math, everybody I fought, the mother had seven fights in southpaw. Robbie, Wonderboy. Maya, you got to say Wonderboy again. All difficult Kelvin fights. Kelvin Gaslam, Dung Young Kim, all have been Southpaw. And all difficult guys at Southpaw. Yeah, and guess what? Everybody else in front of me is Southpaw. RDA, Robbie was Southpaw, Kyra Queefe from is <coughs> Southpaw. So you got, you got all these guys that are Southpaw. So it made sense for me. Not only that, he made fighting fun again. I, I wasn't having fun with it. He made it fun to learn. I felt like a kid again, and, you know, it was a great morale at the gym. And, you know, it was. I felt very specific to what I was doing. I felt like I wasn't doing any training, just pushing slash and flipping shit just to say I did it. Everything right. had a function. And I felt better, and I looked better. And, you know, I did all this training. I was running my fucking self into the ground, doing all this, you know, three-, four-day trainings and looking all crazy. And I got into the octagon, and it never showed. People were like, damn, man, Tyron got all those goddamn muscles. You got all those muscles, then the motherfucker might get tired. So I'm like, damn, I'm doing all this extra work, but it ain't showing in the octagon. But then I started training with Duke and Dean, and they forced me to say, Tyron, trust us. You're doing too much. And it's not, if your sparring is affected because of your strength and conditioning, it's no longer a supplement. Is taking the primary, and we're not in fucking CrossFit. We're in fighting. Your sparring is number one. Anything it takes for your sparring to be the best, that's what we got to do. So if we got to run more, do less strength conditioning. If we got to actually do none, just spar. If we got to, like, there's been times I go in there and have a shitty sparring day. And I said, we, I'll see y'all in the morning. We're doing this again. And we're running back. Because in the practice room, you can run it back. In real life, you can't. So I take advantage of, you know, the playground of if it been practice. And I think now I just love fighting again. I love training. I love competing. And I love winning. I love that minute when you know you won. Now, how much time do you spend in Milwaukee? Do you just move your whole camp there? Like, how do you yeah, do it? Yeah, most of the time. I, 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 I had to spend some time in Florida because um, Damian Maya, I'll be a complete idiot if I didn't take part of the, you know, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, Black Belts, and American Top Team. It really depends on the fight. I, I usually try to get at least four weeks um, with Duke. The good thing about Duke, Duke doesn't have a huge ego. And he knows what he does well, but he works well with other coaches. That's why him and um, Dean has been such a great duo. If I need to bring in another striking coach or another training partner or somebody else, he opens up the door for that because at the end of the day, the goal is for me to be the champion, stay the champion, 
and reach my goal, being the greatest welterweight of all time. Yeah, Duke has a great attitude. So, so, He's such so a smart guy. If it was not for that, then it would be a little bit difficult. And also Dan Lambert, you got to realize, I've been in American Top Team since day one. Dan Lambert has never been in the blue about where I'm training and where I'm going. I've always called him. And for him to give me the ability to go and get stuff from other coaches has also been very helpful. No, he's another amazing yeah. guy, too. And he's to such a valuable guy in MMA. You think about the amount of money that he spent on American Top Team before he made any money. Yeah. I mean, that guy poured money into mixed martial arts. Yes, he Poured did. it into it. And created one of the greatest facilities on the planet Earth for yeah. MMA, especially the new place. Yeah, it's, that place it's is insane. amazing. He's great, too. I mean, but as a coach, what I really respect about Duke is not just the fact that he's got this incredible wealth of knowledge, but that he's so humble. Yeah. He's so, like, down-to-earth and chill. Yeah. You know, and Most just, of the Gs are. The, pe- the people that really just know it, they don't have to prove it. Dean's like that. Duke's like that. Um, Lambert's like that. Some guys that overly want to show you and stuff, those are the people that are kind of insecure of where they're at. As coaches, striking coaches. I mean, you train with striking coaches. Oh, why are you training with that guy? They like get so right. sensitive. I've yeah. never seen it before. Yeah. So I just, I just don't like to deal with it. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. Yeah, my boxing coach like that too, Eric Brown from Wildcard. I've been training with him since two thousand and seven, two thousand eight. So he's the same way. So now, when you're out here, like sometimes you're home, and when you're home, what kind of stuff do you do? Like if you're not injured, if you're not recovering from an, uh, a surgery, like what what stuff do you do at home? I hang out with my kids. Go to football practice, go to wrestling practice, take everybody to school, pick everybody up, play video games. But what about out. like training? I don't train. You don't train at home? Sometimes, not much. Really? Yeah. You don't do anything? I do strength and conditioning with my um, guy Derek Fairchild, and um, I got a I got a up and coming um, featherweight that's really fast and good boxing. So I play around with him a little bit. I might run, I might hit the bag, might do the versa climber. But when it's camp time, I'm out. When it's not camp time. I'm with the family. That's interesting. So yeah. you don't, you're not constantly training. No. Wow. That's. Do you feel like that I gives used to. you? You used to. Why'd you change that? Because I stopped liking MMA. Oh, okay. So now so you feel I like you were kind of burnt out. Yeah, but I never stopped watching. I'm always watching film. I'm always, and I'm obviously working on Fox. I got to break everybody down. Um, I wasn't burnt out. I just, I want to want to miss the shit i want to want to get back in there i want to hear somebody name they fight me and i want to get nervous a little bit and uh, watch some film and see what they do well and then let's get this to, let's get this together let's write everything out let's map out the training camp let's get our partners let's do what we need to do and let's get after it and that that takes away the pressure for me right now with with this injury and the fact that three months in you should be able to probably start training hard what do you, when are you looking to defend the belt again you know, I can probably I can probably fight. Um, April will be kind of pushing it, but May, June, July is usually the fourth, big card. The big July yeah, 4th I, card. I'll probably try to wait to then. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, right? I'll probably wait to then. And that's probably like more Tyron con- Woodley and George St. Pierre fighting Ooh. main event July, whatever the hell, weekend. July 4th weekend. Right? It used to be an international fight, yeah. That's the big That would one. be... I mean, that's why that's I have the biggest want. chance to get a big fight. That's so. what I want. If yeah. I was your manager, I'd be saying yeah. that's what we got to do, Tyler. So July probably. Hang in I there. I mean, there's no fight in between that that's going to make sense for me to do. Has George say he's retired or he's not retired? What did he do? He just, he just gave up the belt, right? George, I don't want to speak for George because I like George. I like him too. So I don't want to speak for him, but George is smart. He's he he plays the fact that he don't. Oh, I don't really speak English that way. Yeah, motherfucker, smart. He know what he's doing. <laughs> Bisming was the right fight. Okay, think about it. Bisming, according to all the middleweights, wasn't really the best middleweight. 
they all everybody want to fight Bisping. Right. So if George is going to go up fighting for another belt, another legendary move, fight a guy that does not have the punching power, maybe cannot take him down, maybe cannot stop the takedown, and for once, George probably had a power punching power advantage against Bisping. So with that said. It made a lot of sense for him to do that. They also had a lot of history training together. That was a big part of it. Yeah. In George's I mean, eyes. He was very successful against him in down. training. Yeah. And he was he was kinda of worried about the size though. Yeah. Was. yeah. He came he was like, Hey, so how much you think Bisming weigh? I'm like, are you fucking serious? <laughs> are you like really worried about that? Like, well there was talk about you fighting Bisping at one time. I know hey, you guys I got, was with it. got back and I forth. I weigh like two oh five right now. I'm good. I I'm good to fight at middleweight. I actually offered to fight George at middleweight. And give up my belt at welterweight and just fight him. If I lose the fucking right. middleweight title, then I lost my belt and now I'm fucking Sam Sausage Head. You know, I get thrown to the bottom of the bottom of the deck. But when you make that kind of ballsy, say, "Hey, I'll fight him at middleweight and I'll give my belt up." If that fight doesn't happen at that point, I kind of feel like somebody might not want to might not want to fight. <laughs> Well, it's hard to say, right? Because he only fought once in four years, and there's no timetable in his return and yeah. no thought whatsoever. There's a lot of weirdness in this sport right now, and yeah. so much rests on January 20th. So much rests on Nganu versus yeah. Stipe, because I think that fight is going to be gigantic for the sport. It's going to be gigantic for the sport, and then, you know, I think Stipe is used to overly working. and over, You know what I mean? He he had that spot where he was like, man, when am I ever going to get my shot? And he finally got it, took, you know, took advantage of it. You know, I was in a similar situation. Where I'm like, when am I going to get my shot? Got it, took advantage of it. Nganu has very scary— He's so scary. He don't, he don't knock you out regular. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the thing. He'll hit you and you fall out. He hits you and everybody, oh shh. They wondering if you alive still. And yeah. that's kinda like like when he hit like Overing. he hit Overing. Oh my god. You, do you see the meme when it was like the like the, the Pez candy? Yeah. When his head his yeah. head his back of his head almost touched the spine. That was an insane knockout. Yeah, he knocked him down. He's out. he's freaky in his speed, his power, and his story is incredible. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about a story that's like right out of a a movie. Yeah. A guy was homeless five years ago, and now all of a sudden, in two years of fighting, he's so in the appreciative UFC. and so happy. And, yeah. you know, fucking hands are like two Tr- times the size of my hand. You shake, so you shake big. his hand before? Yeah, they're huge. It feels weird, like you hook, <laughs> like you shaking a loaf of bread. I'm like, damn, this dude. I told his boxing coach, I'm like, man, I do not envy you, man. You get punched in that body protector. I know that shit. He said, no. Oh, you, he yeah. said you could put it. on. I said, no, I will not. <laughs> Hell to the no. <laughs> Mm-mm. no. I'm not about that life. He's something special. The real so, question so what is what you think will happen in that fight? If I was Stipe, I would Take him down, but he ain't going to yeah, do it. Yeah, he's going to try. Stipe got a good chin, but I, I wouldn't test it against him. No, don't test yeah. it. I think he's going to try to close the distance and grab him and try I, to drag I him I think he ground. should, but I don't think he is. You don't think he's going to be able to? I think he want to show everybody. I stood up with Overeem. I stood up with um, um, JDS. I stood up with uh, Fabricio. I stood up with all these guys. Totally uh, different you know, thing. Roy Nelson. I know I know that. Totally different But I ain't thing. on this coaching staff. I don't know what they're thinking. I think he should punch the takedowns, take down the ground and pound, wear his arms out, make make Ngannou fight him to stop getting taken down and see if you can take some steam off them hands. That's what I think, too. And I but. think that the clinch is going to be critical. Overeem got the clinch on him but couldn't do anything with it. And yeah. Stipe was a college wrestler. Stipe yeah. has got good wrestling skills. You know, he's, he's known more as being an overall well-rounded MMA fighter, but I think he's got to get that clinch. I, I just think standing in front of Ngannou is just – you're just – 
you're playing Russian roulette. One man, of those bullets is going to land. I'm not standing in front of that man. <laughs> not even just in the, even if we do an appearance, I'm like, hey, you too close to me. Move your big ass over there. Ooh. Big old dude. Yeah, but, when, but, he, when he connects, it's just, it's something different. So people always ask me this. Do you think they want Ngannou to win? Do you think they're trying to set this up so he can win? Do well, you think, like I as far as people ask that? He's an amazing story. If he was the champion, it would be very marketable. And I don't More think they want. Yeah, I mean, Even I don't. Even the firefighter with the raspy voice? I don't think there's, I think if Stipe can turn Francis back, that's that's very marketable too. I think the U- if he UFC wins, wants a, winners. He, gets the, the, he broke the record, right? Yeah. He he will break the record. Damn, yeah. two, which is crazy. Two defenses. I know that's how crazy uh-huh. the heavyweight division is, and always has been. You know, all you, the 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 most anyone has ever done is Kane. Kane's done two defenses, right? Damn, that's crazy. It's Kane, right? Kane holds the the. the I don't know if it's Kane or not. And poor Kane. Kane, 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 Brock. Kane has so many injuries, man. It's just yeah. constantly injured. That poor guy is constantly getting surgery. Did he freaking? Uh, my, I know my man over there. Yeah. He's checking. Yeah, I thought she had a St. Louis hat on. You about to get some, some stripes over there. Sorry. L.A., no. L.A. All right. No. All right. L.A. and it's from Ohio. So what part of Ohio? Columbus. Columbus, all right. Cold as hell out there. Fuck yeah, it is. I was just out in Canton not too long ago. My son played in um, the Hall of Fame. Who was Why it? Why no UFC champion has defended the belt more than twice? Heavyweight champion. So what does it say? Does it say um, whether it's Kane? Kane. Yep, Kane Velasquez. Kane. Second. Yeah, this was a while ago. Yeah, I think I think um, Stipe is a version of Kane uh, with less injuries. Kane kicks a little bit more, but you know, just pressure, punching, um, endurance. Yeah, yeah. Stipe's a beast. He's definitely a beast. Look, this is going to be the toughest fight for sure in Engano's career. Yeah. But what's what's I mean, if Stipe can win, it's amazing. And it solidifies his position as the baddest man on the planet. But there's something about Nganu that is, it's uh, it's more it's more in, enticing to people. It's also the fact that Stipe has been in so many wars and his chin has been touched a lot of times. Yeah. So he has a great chin, but you don't want to keep testing that, especially right. against a dude like Nganu with awkward power. Yeah, the five round Junior Dos Santos oh fight was a crazy long fight, and he got knocked know, down. Uh, who did get Overeem? Overeem yeah, knocked down. So it's Damn. a tough one. But the thing is, like we we know so little about Ngano's ground game. We know yeah. so little about his his ability to overcome adversity. Yeah. He's just been smashing people. Yeah, I agree. I said I said that the other day. I think that Steve Hay's been in the tough fights. He's been knocked down, and he's he's on a five five fight KO streak as well mm-hmm. like you know what I mean and it's against tougher opponents and Nagano's knocked out yeah so, well the sport see. is so exciting right now man there's so much talent who's your favorite so fighter right now so much going on Tyron Woodley <sighs> <laughs> it wouldn't happen to be because I'm here I don't you know, have a favorite fighter. Max Holloway's smashing right now. I love Max yeah, Holloway. Max killing it. I like his style too because his style is uh, he overwhelms you. He doesn't. Yeah. He's not knocking anybody out with one shot. He's just yeah. constantly overwhelming you with conditioning and intelligence and timing and distance. And he can do everything. He could strike. He could take you to the ground. He's got great defense. Think his well. submissions are outstanding. And I like that fight with him and Frankie Edgar. That's Good an interesting fight. fight. You know, I was just talking about this the other day, but um, Frankie Edgar has fought similar. You know, Cup Swanson or. Um, Yair Rodriguez, but Max hasn't really fought anybody 
like like Frankie before. No. Somebody that's short and compact that knows how to get close quick, knows how to get out quick. He'll take you down. Frankie don't give a hell. He was taking down, um, who was that, Charlie Oliveira. He didn't mm-hmm. give a hell how great he was on the ground. He was no. in his guard punching, and I think um, that can present some problems. And, Absolutely. You know, it's a good fight. Was that's that a really 3rd? good fight. Yeah. That's the March 3rd fight, and um, Max is a big, big favorite in that fight, which I thought he's was interesting. He's tall, too. He looks yep. like he's in my weight. Yeah, he's 45. tall. Confident, and in that in the Aldo fight, especially the second fight, man, you see that confidence just oozing yeah. out of him. He's the champ. He's a beast. He's a beast. Yeah, I think fifty five is an amazing weight class right now. We argue on Fox that they think they they try to get under my skin and say lightweight is the best division. I said, don't play with me. Welterweight is the best division. <laughs> well, it's your after, division. After, of after, you after Habib, yeah. yeah, Habib was a beast. Yeah. I haven't watched many of his fights. I watched him. I said, I need to go back to my um, my math. He fights like that every time. Yeah, he's a monster. My God. You see the Michael Johnson fight? He's telling I, I saw Michael the clip to give up. I give saw up. That clip I must be champ. Give up. Smashing him. His wrestling and his 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 ground and pound is just so ferocious. It's just on such another level. And when he gets a hold of guys, he's getting a hold of guys that are really good yeah. and just ragdolling them. Yeah. Like what he did to RDA. Did you ever see that fight? Yeah. I, saw, I, I haven't seen those fights. I got to go back and look. Ragdolled RDA. He just beats the shit yeah. out of people. Gets no, you to I, the I ground. A, I was a big fan after that. I'm like, man. He's something special. This dude is He's crazy. something special. And the fact that he did that to Barboza. He wants to move up to 72. Shit, no, he don't. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Metabolic meal, shit out. Send, send my man Habib out of pack. Um, nutritionist, anybody out there, I, I'm picking up the tab. Stay your <laughs> psycho ass down there at 55. I'm not trying to see no Khabib right now. Yeah, be he's, real. he's making 55 easy now, though, so who knows? Gosh. I think th- what, uh, what I believe is going to happen is I think Connor's going to vacate. I think they're going to strip him because Connor has got $100 million in the bank. Yeah. And I think he's having fun and talking shit and he's going to keep training and he's going to make a big fight in the future. Yeah. But I think Habib versus Tony is the big fight. And fuck, they might even do that one in Russia. If they do that one, they're talking about doing nuts. a big heard, fight in Russia. I heard that. Yeah, if that happens, man, that, that's a good fight. I mean, everybody's been waiting to see that fight. Fuck yeah, that's a and, good fight. And it's like Tony Ferguson. Very unorthodox. How many wins he's got? Like nine, ten in a row? Yeah, he has uh, the most ever in the lightweight division, and I think it's at ten. Yeah. I think when he beat Kevin, it was at ten. Who, who did he lose to? Not Michael Johnson? He lost to... Boy, you got to go way he back. Lost, he lost him a long time. Yeah. Maybe it was Michael Was Johnson. Michael? Michael yeah. Johnson, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Tony's so unorthodox and He had awkward. a close one against Eve, too. I cornered Eve for that fight. Yep. He was a close one against Eve. But, man, yeah. He he just um, nobody has told Tony he's that tough. what he's doing is not. Who's Jamie Tony? He's he lost to Jamie Tony earlier in his career. It was Crow up? What is that from? Uh, National Fight Alliance. Interesting. At the, Hyatt, the at the Hyatt Regency. Oh, Karen Darbidian. That guy's a very good fucking submission artist. Interesting. Yeah. Well, he didn't let nine ten motherfuckers have it since then. Yeah. Punch. Choke, 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 choke. Yep. Damn. And running running over guys, too. The Edson Barboza fight was fucking fantastic. That was a fantastic He was fight. losing that fight, too. I remember yep. that. Well, and that. And that's the danger about, about Tony. It don't really matter if he's losing that fight yeah. in the first, the first or second round. He keeps it together. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, and the Dos Anjos fight was amazing, too. Beat the shit out of Dos Anjos. 
That's a, I mean, he's a bad man, Tony Ferguson. You cannot sleep on Tony Ferguson. I used that to. fight is amazing. I used to be like, man, this dude striking don't look like it's something that should frighten you that much. But when it's coming so often and so weird angles, and then he's going for shots, and he's he does the exact opposite of what you think you should do in grappling, and then he's in the position. And then yeah. we get there, now he's got like five or six moves from that position. So he's like swishing it here and there and there before you know it, your ass choked out. Yeah, he's he's something no, he's a real special. Deal. He's, he's a real, real deal. deal. That's a that's an amazing fight. I love yeah. that fight. You know what I'm really interested in right now? I'm really interested is TJ Dillashaw versus Mighty Mouse. There's so is much talk happen? about that. I don't know. I want to see it, though. Somebody's got to challenge Mighty Mouse. I would have been more interested to see um, Garbrandt and Mighty Mouse. Really? Yeah, I don't know why it just looks it looked on paper like a um, more interesting fight. Dumb man, I disagree. I think it's more interesting to see TJ because TJ's got more weapons. Like TJ does more stuff. He throws more kicks. He's got more. I mean, you saw it in the Garbrandt fight. That's where he hurt him. He hurt him with the head kick. Yeah, I just I just like Cody's boxing in the pocket mm-hmm. and his counters. Yeah, anybody that's going to deal with DJ Speed got to make DJ miss, and not very many people have been able to right. do it. So. I think TJ, uh, they, they both are going to be tough fights. I mean, it's going to be tough for TJ. It's going to be tough for Dillashaw. Mighty Mouse just has very few holes. He's yeah. like pouring water. This motherfucker just keep going. This yeah. is he, he never stopped. I'm like, damn, dude. Yeah. Like I watched him drill before his fight. Motherfucker did the same thing in the drill. He just did it right in the fight. Yeah. I'm like, dang. No, nah, he's special. Mm. He's special. His his ability and his ability to not get hit. Yeah. He's he's doing something that's and he on always a thinks in dimensions. So like he was trying to take down Dotson, remember? Mm-hmm. And Dotson won't let him take it down. And he said, "Forget it. I'm gonna grab the leg and I'm gonna keep punching him in the face or elbowing him in the head." And then finally, he got the takedown. He just if he thinks it's smart, he's gonna keep going. Excuse me. He's mm-hmm. not gonna get discouraged. He's gonna keep going for it. If he was going against um, who's the kid? Um, Tim Elliott. They had him in those deep mm-hmm. chokes. I'm like, I was freaking out because you know DJ Mahomes. I'm like, man, is he about to lose to this kid? And he said, oh, "I'm good. He had me in there deep." Like, he just don't get rattled very often. No, he don't get rattled. Yeah. He's got the whole package. He's yeah. got mental toughness. He's intelligent. Yeah. He's, his skill level's on another level. I mean, yeah. his his skill level's off the charts. He does everything amazing. He's the master of the stream basics. Yeah. You know, like that. that's um, um, lift up, return, arm bar, maybe yeah. one of the flashiest things we've ever seen him do. Right. But in general, if you think about it, he comes forward and he does Great fast basics from this side. He mm-hmm. switched stands. Great fast basics from that side. Very traditional clinch. Super active with it. Um, hard to take down. Gets up the regular way. If he, he mounts you, he believes, like if a coach teaches you an arm bar from the mount, in his mind, it's 100% chance it's going to work. There's no way it can't work. So when you see him go do a regular arm bar on somebody and submit him, like, you know, a Horaguchi or a John Moraga, you're like, damn, how you hit him with that arm bar? Because he just don't believe in the fact that doubting his techniques. Yeah. Know? So No, it's, a, it's an amazing time. Amazing time for the sport. And, uh, I mean, it's an amazing time. It's just an amazing time for martial arts, period. I mean, uh, sure. I think martial arts right now is at the highest level that it's ever been in the history of people fighting each other. You know, it's, it's an exciting moment as well because now you got so many different hopefuls. You know, we got mm-hmm. six or seven people that they just need one more. And God only just need yep. one more. This person just need one more. Yep. Then they jump off and, they you know, they become superstars because we – we need more stars right now. We got Connor, but when is Connor going to come back? I think Ronda might do the WWE thing. John, she's you know, done. I'm John, pretty sure. I think I the WWE guess. thing is a is a good look. I know she was at like dinner with Triple H and um and, and our agent uh, Slater. So I hope she does that, man. Because. 
people can say whatever they want, but Ronda Rousey was she was that girl at one point. She was, I mean? and she put us all on the map in a different way, and had the old lady, the the seventy five year old lady at the airport talking about MMA. So, yep. she she she's a G. She paid our due, and uh, I think if she want to gracefully walk into a different realm, WWE film, I think she just produced some type of series that um, you know we should support her in that. I agree. Yeah. I agree one hundred percent. I really don't want to see her fight again. I, I, if she wants to fight again, but what if I what I would l- want to see is her move to a camp that could address the entire game of MMA in a much more comprehensive way, and not tell her that she's yeah. great at something if she's really. Not. I would want her to go to like Matt Hume or someone like that. But, but who who is she actually fight? She's, she's, too, big to, of, she's to, too big of a name to I fight somebody. So. <coughs> who who she fight? Fight someone who's coming up. Fight someone. Get a tune up fight. Get an actual. I mean, but. I don't even think she wants to fight. I, I mean, I think either. at a certain point in time, you have enough money in the bank, you have enough notoriety and fame, yeah. and she's got a lot of aspirations outside the sport. She's married now. Who knows? She might want to start a family. You're right. You're right. Listen, all I want to see is George St. Pierre versus Tyron Woodley hey. in July. July 4th. I say weekend. that's my big prediction for 2018. UFC, make it happen. Big Come prediction. On. Big prediction for me is that I fight George St. Pierre my first fight back. Like George, my it. shoulder's sore. I can't really punch. Right? You can I barely can't, move. George, I can't even punch. How do you sleep? I can't punch. It's I'm hard, hard to sleep. sleep. I mean, George, this is, if you want to fight me, brother, this is the time, man. This is the time, George. You want to get me, George, right now. <laughs> Make that money, George. Make that money. And, and what a fight that would be in terms of like, like just historical significance and, and how big it would be. Yeah. I mean, he's coming off of the win of his career, coming back. Four years off, beats yeah. Bisping, chokes him unconscious for the title, yeah. vacates the title, steps right in there, fights you at 170. He's a G. It would be fun. And he would exit the sport, and nobody would give him that much stuff from losing to me. <laughs> <laughs> Tyron Woodley, thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate it. I'm glad we finally got in here. I know. We finally did it. Uh, tell people, what's your Twitter handle? Check me out on Twitter, <laughs> T-W-O-O-O-D-L-E-Y. Same thing on Instagram. And, um, yeah, we are here. The champ, ladies and gentlemen. Boom, boom. Thank you. <laughs> thanks, everybody. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. And thanks to Honey, the amazing free browser extension that saves millions and millions of people. Cash money every day. And you can try it for free. Add Honey to your browser for free right now at joinhoney.com forward slash Rogan. That's joinhoney.com forward slash Rogan. Thank you also to eHarmony. Like my song? It's not very good, is it? But you know what is good? eHarmony. Get yourself a goddamn meaningful relationship, you fucking freaks. Stop just running around out there banging like a bunch of rotten rabbits, okay? Go to eHarmony and find yourself some real love. See how eHarmony can change your life. Go to eHarmony.com and get started and enter my code word ROGAN at checkout. Okay. Okay. And thank you also to Onnit. Go to O-N-N-I-T. Use the code word ROGAN and save 10% off any and all supplements. That is it for today, my friends. Next week, ooh, next week, the great and powerful John Donaher is going to be here. I'm excited about that. Eddie Huang is going to be here. Danica Patrick. Mel motherfucking Gibson. Oh, shit. Braveheart. Freedom. 
I'm excited. All right. See you guys soon. Much love. Bye-bye. <laughs>